Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So before I go into today's episode, I am delighted to announce that the next intake of the Female Fat Loss Program is now open. So the next intake is starting on the 4th of September, 2023. So this is going to be the biggest intake. This is going to be bigger and better than ever. I've got a new coach to come in and help me as well. So this is perfect for someone if you've tried every diet under the sun, whether it comes from keto, intermittent fasting, someone that you may be very skeptical about the fitness industry. You might have been scammed out of certain clubs. You believe in sins. But the one thing that I would say about this program is it's actually been, been designed by previous clients. And if you're trying to get away from that yo-yo dieting background, trying to get away from that diet starts Monday cycle, this is the perfect thing for you. So what this program is, is a six week program. You'll get weekly check-ins with myself. You will get tailored program with videos. So you've got an option of home workouts uh, that you've got an option of a three day home workout program with videos. You've got an option of a four day gym program with videos, or you've got an option of three day gym program with videos. You can do your own training if you wish but those programs are provided to you you've got tailored calories and macros that are perfectly set for you based off your activity and your needs and your age you have got recipe books which are perfect the brownies in their class you've got a facebook group which is a perfect place for support weekly lives are in there every tuesday and then you've got personalized weekly check-ins with myself so it's it's an amazing program and i would say the last one in April and I haven't run it for April since April because I wanted to make it even bigger and better and I wanted to make sure that it was going to be bigger and better I want to improve things as it grows I'm not just going to stagnate and not let the program grow into what it wants to be so the price of the program for six weeks is very very cheap it is 99 euro so if you're looking for kind of if you're on a budget or you're looking for a lower barrier entry into a program 99 euro you're not going to get it lower the normal price is 149 euro so that will be going up in the next week or so that to, to full price so if you're interested in doing that i wouldn't wait around so if you're interested in working with me in the female fat loss program click on the link in the show notes book your place before it sells out because the last one sold out in a very short space of time and i wouldn't wait around so the biggest thing that i would say is it's not going to be a sin in sight you're just going to get results and pretty relationship with food learn how to train around your cycle, learn about perimenopause, PCOS, endometriosis, all these various different things, and you'll get the results you're looking for. So if you're interested in working with me, click on the link in the show notes and we'll book your space. And we'll see you on the 4th of September. Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today's episode is something that I hope will help some of you. And I believe it's gonna help a lot of you because you're gonna talk about a term and you might kind of like, if you've listened to the episode and you're listening to this and thank you for one and thank you for anyone who's ever shared listened to any second of the episode but i think today's kind of topic is one that i think is going to help an awful lot of people in relation to managing nutrition but also understanding why we do things but also navigating overeating if it's also a, a an element of kind of how certain things kind of happen when we kind of go for fat loss as well and if you're an economist you probably are working finance you've probably heard of this or you may have heard of it when you're in college when you've heard this term and it's called the the law of diminishing returns and now economics is not sexy it really isn't but 
if you're an economist, you'll know it really, really well. So in a nutshell, what essentially is the law of diminishing returns? It essentially means that the value or enjoyment we get from something starts to decrease after a certain point, regardless of how much of it we have. And it could also mean that the more you experience something, the less rewarding it becomes. So, for example, if you think about this for an example, I'll bring it back to money and then I'll bring it back to food. Think about the difference between how productive you are if you work five hours a day versus 15. I guarantee you get as much done in the first five hours as in the next 10. And there is a diminishing return as you keep working. The difference between earning 25,000 per year and 50,000 per year is massive. One may mean you live hand to mouth and the other gives you some income that you can enjoy those holidays, those meals out and be able to be able to feel secure. But what happens if you actually make a million euro per year versus one million and twenty five thousand dollars? The difference in your life won't be that noticeable after a certain point. So more money has a diminishing return. And I guess you're wondering why am I talking about this as a kind of a nutritionist and a female and a, and a and a coach? Well, it's because of the law of diminishing returns applies in spades to food and eating. So one of the things that I want to talk about is if you think about when you are sitting there at home and you are potentially ordering a takeaway or you've got some chocolate in the house and you're kind of watching TV, you're kind of chilling out, you're watching Netflix or you're watching something on TV or you're in the cinema or whatever it is. More often than not, that when, when that's happening, we're probably distracted. We're not even present what, what we're doing. But have you ever thought about when you are... And when we're watching TV, we can all be, we all, we all do this. I'm not even going to say that we're all guilty of doing it because you're doing nothing wrong. But what can happen is an awful lot of people will eat while distracted. They're not even aware that they're eating. They're not even aware of what they're eating. They're doing it like as a hand to mouth gesture. I had a conversation with someone recently and that their whole thing was that they liked to have this crunch texture. So we dug into it a little bit more. So they were craving this crunch because they there was something related to them when they were a child. And they associate with that with a fond memory and a happy memory and it rewards a certain part of their brain that gets that dopamine hit and endorphin hit into their bodies and into their brains and they feel better about it. But we need to understand that the more we are exposed to something, the reward goes down. The kind of like the, 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 the for a technical term called it's diminishing return. Okay. So have you ever noticed, and a lot of you, some of you will, I know whoever's been working with me one-to-one and in the female follow group will have, will be aware of this. But if you're new to the podcast and you're new to listening to this, this probably takes a little bit of practice. There's no failing to it. There will be times you overeat with it. There will be times you undereat with it. But the biggest struggle that a lot of people have, as I've already mentioned, is it's being present with the actual food that they're having. So if you think about it this way, when you last potentially overage or you were picking, were you even present or was it just go for the quickest thing? But what happens if you talk about when you're sitting down on the couch and you have one square of chocolate? Now, some people will say, well, I can't just have one square of chocolate. You can, but it's not down to the lack of willpower. It's not down to lack of strength. It's not down to lack of motivation. It's not down to that. It's probably that there's a reward system for you that you have that you may not be aware of. There's a behavioral element to it. There's a belief system around that food that I can't have those foods in the house could be one of the belief systems that, but more often than not comes from your childhood. 
So what I'm really long-windedly getting to at the minute after, I don't know, six, five or six minutes of getting to this podcast is, have you ever noticed that when, and you may not have noticed, when you're kind of like sitting and eating, that you're not even present with it. So what I'm trying to get at is, if you have one square of that, the first square of chocolate, for example, you really, really enjoy it. And then you add, and then if you pause and actually check in yourself, right, right, what's this next square going to bring to me that the last one didn't? A lot of people won't do that. They'll just go boom, 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 hand to mouth, hand to mouth, hand to mouth. And then they don't feel great after it. But what actually happens if you actually present with the food, present with the chocolate, no distractions, you'll be a hell of a lot more aware and it will reduce the chances of overeating an awful lot, like tenfold. Like tenfold. That's not stats. That's just me making up a, a, a number. But the... When you're, when you're overeating, you're not even present. So if you're present with the food and saying, right, hand to mouth, saying, right, the first bite, have a piece of chocolate. Okay, right, what's the second one going to do? Is this going to add to my life more than the last one did? Or do I need more? Okay, I'll have a second piece. Okay, so I feel, feel good after that one. I kind of feel okay. I kind of feel full, but I'll have a third one just in case. And the third one, you're kind of like, no, I don't really want any more. I didn't really enjoy that as much as the first one or the second one. So you can already see that that reward system, that positive affluence or affirmation around that food has diminished, aka the, the law of diminishing return. There's some point with that food that you don't enjoy it as often. You don't enjoy it as much. So we need to look at, well, why are we still eating? Why are we still using that food as a mechanism? Often when we're not present with the food, there's often we're able to pause and check in and say, right, what do I need? What does Shane need? What does Angela need? What does Grace need? What does Laura need? What do these people actually need? And an awful lot of people don't know what their emotions actually mean. They're not able to, they've never been taught. They don't know how to deal with it. But if you can check in on yourself, there will be times, normally it's kind of in around the two or the three. Now, it normally isn't a set bar. It's not normally that you, it could be more, it could be less. But generally after two or three, that law of diminishing returns comes in around food. So if you've got a takeaway of the spring rolls in front of you. So this was me on Sunday coming back from my brother's wedding. There was, we were sharing food or whatever. And we were watching a, we were watching something on TV. We were watching the Dublin v. Kerry women's ladies match on TV at the same time. And well, I was kind of trying, I was trying to experiment with myself subconsciously or consciously. I can't really tell the difference. I can't really, at the time I was so, so tired. But one of the things that I tried to do was, right, with the, the spring rolls, for example. There was four of them there. And I was kind of like, right, I'll take the first bite of the spring roll. There's four there between two of us. The first one, I was like, first bite, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is the best thing I've ever tasted. Then I kind of checked in myself, right, what's the next bite gonna do for me that the second one didn't? Right, I had the second bite. I was like, okay, that was still pretty good. So I'm just gonna see, check in here and say, right, let's check in on the third one. So by the third one, it was gone. It was a small enough piece. And the third one, I was kind of like, you know what? I'm actually okay with the amount of spring roll that I've had here. So I don't really need the second one. And you know what? We ended up throwing out the second one. It was just an experiment that I was trying by myself. I didn't feel a wasted food. I felt I was present with things. Even though I was really, really fatigued and tired about it, I was kind of like, you know what? I'm going to practice this just with this episode in my head while I was recording this. I was like, this is an idea for an episode. It's mad where some of the episode's ideas come from in my head. But... What I'm trying to get at is 
when you're being present with the TV off, preferably with no distractions, no food, no or no phone, no nothing. Most people eat distracted. They have some sort of technology. They're trying to catch up on the news so they can make conversation with their friends or whatever it is about something. But you cannot possibly be present with food if you're looking, if you're distracted. You can't possibly be trying this experiment if you aren't being present with it. So if you check in yourself, right, what's the next one going to add to my life that the last one didn't? You'll soon find out what's enough for you. It's not that it's greedy. It's nothing out of that. It's that you're probably not being present or there's an element of emotional avoidance or an element of that you don't know how to deal with your emotions because you've never been taught. Now, you may overeat more past three. You may find that it's a five or six elements of pieces of chocolate that you might feel that you need. But my guess is that there's a law of diminishing returns after about two or three and you'll be able to see if you eat the six after you find that the six is enough for you. Well, then why don't you check in yourself and say, right, what does Shane need or what does Sarah need? There's nothing wrong with having those six. But if it's a constant food mechanism of reward around it and it's the only reward system, then it's not the food that's the issue. It's the lack of reward systems that you have. Non-food related things that you need to do. So if we bring it up into that way around the food side of things is particularly with alcohol, particularly with wine, whatever it may be, check in yourself, take the first sip and you normally say the first sip tastes amazing. You take the second sip, it's still great, but it's not as good as the first. And the third one, you're kind of like, hang on, Joe, you know I'm going to I'll have the third sip, but we'll see how we go. And the third sip, you're like, Joe, you know I've actually had enough. But most people aren't present. They could be caught up in the moment in a good way by being with, with the people that they're with or else they could be using food as a form of self-soothing and that might not be beneficial to where they want to go. So this law of diminishing returns can be this critical difference, this analysis of, of what can actually help you and kind of get you to where you want to go. It can be really, really helpful to navigate that piece of overeating and actually checking in yourself before you start eating. How am I feeling? Where I feel stressed, I feel anxious. All right, so if food isn't the issue, why is food going to solve this for me? Because it's going to comfort me. Comfort what? You need to figure out what that is. Where is that discomfort? Is it in your toes? No. Is it in your legs? No. Is it in your stomach? Probably. So what's going on with your stomach? Well, I had a really stressful day today. And I, I, I need to talk to somebody. I don't know how to get those words out of. I don't feel heard. I don't feel listened to. Now, those things are can be quite hard to listen to, but they are a factor. And maybe we don't want to share them because we're going to feel judgment. So what we do is we go to our old remedy of food because that food doesn't judge us. Food soothes us. Food comforts us. But if it's food isn't the issue, food's not going to solve that issue. It's kind of like you've a leak upstairs in the house, but I'll fix the downstairs one. Or you've got a, you've got a flat tire in your car, but I'll fix the steering wheel. It's exactly the same thing that you're trying to do. So with the law of diminishing returns, you need to look at it from a point of view of checking in yourself saying right what's the first what's the next piece going to do for me that the last one didn't another thing you can ask is right am i hungry enough for chocolate like the way i try to navigate that myself and sometimes some clients do this is they have fruit before they have the chocolate because one they're getting a habit stack they're getting an extra layer of right it's a way for them to get more fruit in one but it's also pausing because most people won't pause most people do things automatically because they haven't thought about it. they're not being present they're like no i need to go for this quick fix i need to do this i haven't eaten in ages i'm going to do this i feel stressed I'm gonna, i don't feel i don't feel safe 
But that isn't aiding you. You feel it is, but you see a benefit in doing it because you're living in just that kind of go, go, you're looking at a very, very short term solution. You're not looking at the bigger picture. Is this going to help you to get where you want to go? What's the next piece going to bring me that the last one didn't? And it really, really does help. Will you overeat at times doing it? Yeah, of course. But if you can reduce that overeating pattern, well, then that's going to really, really help you. And that will really, really, you'll probably feel a sense of achievement for doing it. Another thing that can happen is sometimes I have to explain to clients that fat loss slows down as you go. And often those big numerical changes that you experience at the beginning when your body fat might be higher is that it can be completely unrealistic to expect that to continue. It really, really can. And a lot of people struggle with this. And what can happen sometimes is when the body fat percentage is higher than those and, and those big numerical changes don't transfer into visual improvements, yet your body is leaner, then the numerical changes are far less and slower and you wind up seeing more of it. The bottom line though is that fat loss slows down as you progress. You get leaner, you may lose weight, but as there's less of you, there's going to be less drastic changes. And those changes that people are looking for is like, well, I, I, why am I slow? Why is my weight slowing down? Why is my weight loss slowing down? My fat loss slowing down? Or they may people may be only focusing on weight. They may not be focusing on their measurements, on their progress pictures. And sometimes what can happen is people will so solely, solely focus on the scales and not focus on any other metric. The scales only measures weight loss. It does not measure fat loss. It's kind of like using your bank balance to tell you how good you are at sex. The bottom line is that fat loss slows down as you progress, as you get further into it. You may have experienced that the first five to 10 pounds are a lot harder to navigate than get off the first five or 10. And one of the, this is one of the, the physiological reasons why, that there's less of you. And as you get down to a certain level, you might find that you either need to lower your calories, you might find that you need to work harder, you might find that you have less wiggle room and flexibility with your diet, you might feel that you need to adhere better, you may be a little bit more consistency with your planning, but you might find that the reality is that's going to take longer to get to potentially where you want to go, but you need to, to define what level you want to get to and be clear on that. Do you want lasting results or do you want a quick fix? Because if it's a quick fix, it can be often unrealistic expectations. And I was having a conversation with a client and the, the other day and she was kind of like, she was afraid to ask the question. She was like, she said, I, I don't want a question. She's like, ask questions away. Like, there's no such thing as a silly question. And she was like, okay, I didn't, I didn't realize, I, I didn't realize that this was okay to ask. But I was like, okay, I, I know where this is going, but I'll let you do it. It's like, well, I'm unhappy with where I'm at. And it's kind of like, well, where did you expect to be at? And she's like, well, I thought I'd be like two pounds of weight loss a week. And okay, so when was the last time you were at that? I was like, okay, so the way that they answered was, well, I've on every other diet I've ever been on or every other time I've tried to lose weight, I've lost two pounds a week of weight loss a week. And I was like, okay, so have you ever succeeded with that? She's like, what do you mean by succeed? I was like, have you ever kept it off? She goes, no. Okay, so look at the approach that we're taking right now. You're down 0.62 pounds on average a week. Okay, you're also down over 30 centimeters in 
the kind of the eight weeks that we've been working together as well. So 30 centimeters to put it into contacts for people's uh, eyes would be if you went and got about five apples and put them side by side, it's about five apples, about six and a half apples, the width of six and a half apples beside each other. So they've lost that in eight weeks and they've lost about 0.62 pounds on average a week. And I was kind of like, well, if you lost 0.62 pounds on average a week, okay, for 12 months, so 52 years, 52 weeks, you would have lost 32 pounds in in a year, okay? And if you lost that over a year, that would be about five stone, give or take. Now that's quite a lot, an awful lot of weight to lose and that person does not have five stone to lose. I can assure you of that. This person's at a decent level, decent level of fitness, decent understanding of nutrition. They're just looking for a little bit more minor tweaks to where they want to go. But if you lost, for an easier example, if you've lost half a pound of weight loss a week, consistently over a year, 52 weeks, it's 26 pounds down in a year. But most people were like, well, that's not fast enough. Like, well, what's, what are you comparing it to? Okay, so every time you compare it to, it's like, well, I, I lost this amount on a weight loss before. I was like, okay, did you stick to it? No, but I had success on it. Did you have success by the scales or did you have success by keeping it off? And then you get this dumb stroke look and it's kind of like saying, well, it was success by the scales, but it was success by me restricting. So if you're success, successfully restricting yourself. So my question back to that client that I was talking through and working through this thing was, so you've drank most weekends, you've got food flexibility, you're having chocolate most days, you're training two, three times a week and your sleep is better than ever. And she was like, yeah, I see what you're getting at. So it's 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 understanding that and managing those expectations that we don't need to change anything for the sake of it. If nothing changes for two weeks with regarding your your measurements, your progress pictures, your weight for two weeks, and you've done and protect if it, particularly if it's around a certain stage of your cycle, the then we change something. But don't be in a rush to change anything. But we need to look at it from a point of view of realistic expectations leads to less disappointment and when you get less disappointment you'll be able to stick to it it's a lot of it is emotional when it comes to the scales because we're trying to deal with control of what we think other people are going to think but when you look at it from a point of view of this whole unrealistic expectation is a lot of people think fat loss and weight loss is this linear phenomenon it really isn't i get emails and messages from people and applications saying I want to lose one pound of weight loss every week or I want to lose two pounds of weight loss every week and I've got 30 pounds to lose so I, I would be by end goal in 15 weeks it's not going to happen yeah it could happen but it's probably not going to be happening where you keep it off so it's up to you do you want to lose it quickly or do you want to lose it slowly and keep that weight off now neither approach is right or wrong but you probably know where my two cents is on it I mean, it could happen, but going in with the expectation, expectation is really, really flawed. And I'd put money on and put comfortable money on it that, that it won't happen. And if you don't lose two pounds in one week, it doesn't mean things aren't progressing. Your program just needs maybe adjusting, adding more steps, reducing your food, managing your sleep, managing your stress, looking at what stage of your mental cycle you're at. Fat loss is not a magical linear pro pro process, ever. 
There are peaks, there are valleys to progress, and that's perfectly normal. There are going to be weeks where things just don't seem to be happening for you. I had this conversation with the exact same client. She was ticking along, ticking along really, really nicely. And then this week went down by about 1.2 kg and was like, what the hell? I was like, yeah, because you've been do you've been consistent. You spoke to me during the week about three weeks, four weeks ago, and it's like the scales is gonna do what the hell it wants. I know as soon as your adherence is around eight out of ten consistently, this will do what the hell it wants. But the biggest issue that we were having was probably around digestion. We were going slowly to the bathroom and stuff. There are going to be weeks where things seem to be progressing. But we also need to look at other non-scale victory progresses, measurements. We need to look at the, 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 like the progress pictures. Have you been adherent for more than you ever have been? If you're only going by the scales, you're going, your fat loss journey is going to be a disappointment because you're not measuring the right thing. We need to look at a bigger picture. We need to look at real lasting pro- progress over time. And that's unsexy. A lot of people will expect weight loss to be linear. A lot of people will expect loss, weight loss to be happening overnight. But that's a form of arrogance in a way, if you think about it. It's a form of elitism that this shall be easy. It's, it's not easy. Weight loss, I've said weight loss is easy. As a concept, yes, but in reality, it's not. You'll save yourself an awful lot of mental anguish and emotional anguish along the way if you accept that this is going to take as long as it takes in addition to knowing that it takes more effort mentally physically the the leaner the lighter that you get that the the ability to measure and quantify your progress and process might change and you might need to change that you'll become your progress will become a lot more qualitative and less quantitative so maybe you're only going by things off the scales, for example, and you're trying to measure fat loss. Well, one, you're measuring the wrong thing on the scales. But what about your photos? What about your strength? What about your adherence? What about your sleep? What about your stress? You can bring in other different metrics of success. It doesn't always have to be about how you look. Like if your strength has gone up, your your ability to grow muscle will go up. If you're resting and you're sleeping, you'll be able to recover from that. If you're able to get better in sleep, you'll probably be able to adhere to things a lot more. But that doesn't mean that you haven't progressed because the numbers are still changing, but not maybe the, the measure that you're going for. The lower the body fat gets, the less numerical changes you're going to see. Now that takes, that's the extreme measure of it. It's very easy to get caught up in the numbers. I use numbers myself for various different things and sometimes you can get frustrated with it because it's an emotional element. There's a pressure cooker built on top of it. What about you? Have you improved your adherence? Have you improved your mental health? Have you improved your sleep? Have you improved all these kind of different things? Because your weight is going to fluctuate but you, the one thing that won't fluctuate that shouldn't really fluctuate is your adherence. If your adherence is there, the results will follow. But sometimes people are adhering to the wrong thing. And what I mean by that is People sometimes can be this sunk cost fallacy of they're so emotionally attached to certain clubs, certain fad diets, and they, they measure their progress only by what the scales are saying. And then when the scales goes up, gone. They quit. But if you're placing too much weight on this singular assessment, and if you're not looking at the bigger picture stuff, that can diminish that return for yourself because you're cutting ties with something that may be working for you but you might be cutting ties with it because there's an emotional attachment to that scale. We need to look at it from a point of view that weight loss does not happen in a straight line. 
between point A and point B. So point A is where you started, point B is where you want to go. It can be harder, it can get it can be frustrating, but if you look at what your why is, if you look at what your what you actually want to do and you have the support systems, challenge your belief systems, challenge your behaviours, the results will take care of themselves. But if you give up every time that scales goes up, you're gonna end up in frustration. Imagine where you'd be right now if you hadn't given up where that scale's gone up. Just something to think about. Imagine you haven't given up every time that scale has gone up. Where would you be right now? You'd probably be a less a lot less unhappy, a lot less frustrated, and a lot in a better position with food, behaviours, belief systems. But because we project how we see our better selves onto food, how we see ourselves onto onto a piece of plastic, and tell ourselves we're not worthy of getting these results, you've no evidence that you're not worthy. Well it's more difficult for someone. Is it more difficult for someone or if they've done the uncomfortable things that you're not prepared to do? Now this is as bro as I'm going to get. But it's not about not wanting it enough because I think that's stupid when coaches say that. It's not about that. It's about being clear on why you want to do something. It's also being clear on what, how long it's going to be taking maybe and not having sabotaging tendencies about unrealistic expectations around it, unrealistic deadlines on it. But it's also managing the returns that you can get out of what you want to do and being realistic like if you're a parent you're not going to be able to go to the gym six days a week but you 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 could be better going gym twice a week and trying to get out for a walk you could be better off sitting down on a sunday for 10 minutes planning some of your meals and then get your shopping so you know you have a better structure and that saves you time for the rest of the week but if you have a support system and you're taking care of yourself to rest or follow. But every time we give up, we feel that story that we're not good enough. If every time we put someone else first ahead of us, we feel that we're not good enough. But the law of diminishing returns can come from food. What's the next one going to do that the last one didn't? But the law of diminishing returns is when you get to a certain point, some people, well, this will be very different for everyone else. It's about having other metrics and other markers that you can use of success. If it's only the scales, you're not going to go very far. If it's scales, weight, measurements, adherence, sleep, stress, and better relationship with food, knowing how to cook more, understanding what protein, carbs, fats, that your knowledge is improved, well, then you're going to fly it. So if you're interested in a female follow program and you want to learn how to do this,